everybody. Welcome to the Export. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tay, aka somebody who I know is just as, if not more, excited than me for the release of NCAA Football 25. And this week, we start to get more information about it, including the deals uh, that EA Sports is offering players if they want to be involved in the game. Um, it includes $600, a copy of the game, and I think just having their image in the game. Now, some people think $600 is a little bit low, what do you think? Do you think that's a fair trade to be in the game, or do you think that EA Sports should give athletes more money to be in it? I mean, I think starting out six hundred is okay because it's like, uh, I mean, when you're at that age, and I know NIL and things of that nature, a little extra six hundred dollars ain't gonna hurt. Like right. it's not, it's not like you're trying to like feed. Like, I don't know. I just think 600 is fine, especially given, like, I've also seen a lot of people being like, hey, just the fact that you can have, like, your actual likeness with your name in the game, like, that, mean, that could mean something, like, to you years down the line of being like, hey, this was a game that I grew up playing when it came back. I was in, like, the first edition of this game when it came back. And, like, you can go and look up and it says, like, my name and my number and like the guy looks like me so i think 600 is okay i do too especially considering i think nil has a lot of people confused not everybody is making millions of dollars not everybody is driving the lambos or getting you know the lakeside view um penthouses like caleb williams like it's really not saying every college recruit isn't getting a little bit of something, but I can assure you what the, the most extravagant stuff, not everybody is getting that. And so I think that for the guys who have been around for a while and may not necessarily be starters on their team, but they're just, you know, kind of there, this $600 could be a big deal for them. You know what I'm saying? So I think that I don't really see an issue with it. And I mean, also the game is going to make a lot of money because everybody named mama who like played the old ones are going to buy it. But it's also a thing of, like, if you're offering everybody, like, over $1,000, you're going to run out of money at some point. Like, you have to have at least some sort of cutoff because then it's, like, you have to kind of have that baseline because then if you're negotiating with, like, top guys and they're like, well, actually, I want 10 k and they're like, they want five, it's just going to be a whole hot mess. So I think, like, one static number is fine because at the end of the day, People, like, I know I'm going to buy it regardless of if players are in it or not. And I'm sure a lot of people have that same mindset. So I don't really have an issue with 600 I don't either. Like you said, I'm buying it regardless. Uh, and I can't wait to dive in. Yep, I am ready to waste away my uh, free time because as soon as that game drop, it's over. Uh, but we got a cool show for you guys today. Myself. Embryo and Ethan all have our Elimination Chamber predictions coming up. We're also going to play a bit of a different game with the NFL. Uh, the fr franchise tag uh, window has opened, and so we're going to look at some players, some of the biggest name free agents set to hit the market and discuss whether or not we think they get franchise tag, signed to an extension, or are headed to free agency. And then with the NBA, we are going to recap All-Star Weekend as well as discuss if Jason Tatum really is up next to be the face of the NBA. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast.
podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick things off with Ethan's Elimination Chamber prediction, starting off with the undisputed tag team championship match between the Judgment Day, a.k.a. Finn Balor and Damian Priest, versus British Strong Style comprised of Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. Who you got? I'm going to go Judgment Day. Yeah, same. I just... We'll get into it more at the end, or at least me and Embryo do, but, like, I don't really see any tag team at the moment taking the titles off of them besides maybe the Street Profits, but I'm still a believer that they need to split the belts. I, I agree. All right, next up, we got the Women's World Championship match. We have Australia's very own Rhea Ripley defending her title against Nia Jax. Who you got? Rhea. Yeah, I mean, I I hope I just hope it's a good match because a lot of Rhea's championship matches lately have kind of been, dare I say, mid. And Nia Jax been pretty solid since she's been back, so I'm hoping this will be that. All right, next up, we have the Women's Elimination Chamber match. We have Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, and revealed on Monday, which I am wrong, which I will see later on in the show, Raquel Rodriguez. Who you got? And this is going to this is for who's going to face Rhea, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still gonna go with Becky. Same. I would love Bianca to win, but I they've been trying to push Becky versus Rhea for a minute now, so I think this is going to be the final piece. All right. Next up, we have the men's elimination chamber match, and it's comprised of Drew McIntyre, uh, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. Who you got? Drew McIntyre. Agreed. I think, yeah, we have all agreed on the same answers, which is going to make the tiebreaker so important. Uh, The tiebreaker for this show, I apologize, it's kind of hard, is which two competitors in each chamber match uh, will enter first? Like, who will be the first two to compete? For those of you who know or don't know, so the elimination chamber is comprised of four pods in this steel chamber around the ring and so it's four people the first four people who come in or like do their entrances are going into the pods and then the last two who come in will start the match off and then after a couple minutes some one of those pods will be open and somebody else will enter the match and so the question is asking who will be the first two people competing in each of those chamber matches so starting with the women who do you think the first two women are going to be and for each wrestler you get right you get half a point I am going to say, I think it's going to be Becky and and Bianca. Becky and Bianca, okay. You and Embryo agreed on that. All right, what about the men's match? Men's, I think it's going to be Kevin Owens and... Can you tell me who else is in it? I just blanked I got out. you. Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight, and Logan Paul, and Drew McIntyre. I'm going to say Kevin Owens and L.A. Knight. All right, bet. We will find all this out tomorrow. I'm still debating on if I'm going to be up for it or not because it really comes down to if I'm awake, I'll watch it. If not, I'm not waking myself up to watch it. It's, it's not that deep. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NFL portion of our show. This upcoming week is the NFL Scouting Combine. Personally, one of my favorite events of the year. Over 300 uh, draft hopefuls are going to be in Indianapolis competing in a series of different drills and tests and interviews um, ahead of the NFL draft. Every team is going to be here. 
and it's going to be a lot of fun. And so for the college football player spotlight, we're going to highlight that a little bit and break it down a little bit by day about which prod which prospect we're most looking forward to watching. Ethan, I know you said you may not be able to watch it, and that's cool. But if you do have a prospect in mind, let me know. Um, but I'll start off Thursday. Um, it's going to be defensive linemen and linebackers. And the prospect I'm most looking forward to watching is UCLA edge rusher Leatu Latu. Um, he's probably my favorite edge rusher of this year's class. Just I, I'm a big fan of production. He has a lot of it despite having to medically retire, which I'm sure is going to give some teams pause when it comes to drafting him. And But leading up to the Senior Bowl, he had a really good week of practices, and he didn't participate in the game. So I'm excited to see him, what he's able to do against some of the other uh, best edge rushers in the entire draft class. Uh, for me, I got to go with a big dog. I got to go with Tavondre Sweet, um, D lineman out of Texas. And I'm also going to say probably the guy that people list is the best pass rusher in this draft, uh, Dallas Turner. That's good. All right, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Friday, which is going to be defensive backs and tight ends. I'm kind of confused why though that's the combination, but, you know, whatever. Um, I'm going to go with Miami safety Cameron Kitchens. I almost said Quinion Mitchell. But I said him for the senior bowl, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. But Cameron Kitchens is widely considered the best safety of this class. And I know that we've kind of talked about it. Safeties, linebackers, guys like that have kind of been a bit devalued over the years. But we're starting to see, especially this year, when you have a good safety, it really can help change the tide of your defense. And so I want to see him solidify himself as a top, the top safety in this class and possibly even punch his ticket to being a first-round pick. Um. I forgot. He's the cornerback from Toledo. I forgot. Oh, Quinion Mitchell. Yeah, Quinion Mitchell. I'm interested in seeing him. Um, obviously, I'm always gonna be interested in seeing like the top, the top order of the draft pick guys. So I'm interested in seeing Brock Bowers work out as well from a tight end standpoint. Yeah, another guy who was like undisputedly the best player. I just wonder how high he's gonna get drafted because so many people think he's one of, if not the best like, most talented player in the entire, like, class. But because he's a tight end, I wonder how many people might stray away from taking him just because of his position and the value that comes with it. But, all right, on Saturday is probably the most the day that most people will be watching. It's going to be quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. And, obviously, I'm most excited to see my main man, Jaden Daniels, work out. He didn't participate at the East-West Shrine game or the Senior Bowl. So, this will be his first action since LSU's regular season finale, reigning Heisman winner. And, you know, I'm always happy to see LSU guys go. And then, also, bonus points for Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors because, obviously... Uh, for me, I'm most excited to see Blake Watson uh, running back out of Memphis. I know he's gained a lot of steam from a wide receiver standpoint. Again, I just want to see the top guy, like the top guys, like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. From a quarterback standpoint, I'm probably gonna go with Michael Penix, um, simply because, like, I think Taylor Williams gonna do his thing. I think Jaden Daniels gonna do his thing. I'm more interested in saying, like, is there going to be a guy that's going to increase their draft stock because of their um, combined performance um, outside of the top three of Caleb, Jaden, and Drake? 
I feel that. And I'm a big Michael Penix fan. I mean, another guy who didn't participate in the Senior Bowl. He practiced that week. I wish he would have played. But I think that in order for him to kind of, like you said, gain a little bit more steam, I think he's going to be very intriguing to watch this upcoming week. And then last but certainly not least, on Sunday, it is going to be offensive linemen. Uh, I keep mentioning the Senior Bowl, but the Senior Bowl has played a really big role in, like, elevating people's draft stock. Arguably none bigger than um, Oregon interior offensive lineman Jackson Powers Johnson. He pretty much was a stellar guy all Senior Bowl week. He ended up getting hurt, didn't play in the game, but he's somebody who has really helped entrench himself as one of, if not the best, interior offensive lineman in this draft class. And I think that with a good showing at the combine, he's going to be able to solidify that. We're actually in agreement, um, Jackson Powell Johnson, because, you know, the team that I'm loosely supporting, even though I don't have a favorite team at the moment, sure. they might. You said what? I'm sorry. I said, even though I don't have a favorite team at the moment, they might draft them. Yeah, sure. Okay. If that's what we're going with. But, all right, let's go ahead and turn to some league news. Got a couple retirements and uh, suspensions. First off, veteran running back Mike Davis, who last played with the Baltimore Ravens during the 2022 season, has announced his retirement at the age of 31. Special teams ace Matthew Slater, who spent all 16 seasons with the New England Patriots and has been deemed by Bill Belichick the greatest special teams player in NFL history, has retired as well. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been suspended for the first two games of next season after violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substances policy. Um, he's already expected to be released by the Raiders in a move that will save them over 11.25 mil in cap space. So I know neither of us are like, oh, yeah, Jimmy G is the guy. But do you think that he's going to end up signing somewhere, probably as a backup role? And if so, what – team do you think would be a good fit i'd say the jets honestly i would say either either team in new york the jets or the giants yeah because the giants definitely need help and who knows what aaron Rodgers is going to look like coming off that torn achilles but uh, a couple more signings and releases. Uh, six-year veteran Tracy Walker has been released by the Detroit Lions after six seasons, like I mentioned. And the Baltimore Ravens has re have re-signed wide receiver Nelson Aguilar on a one-year contract extension. Was hoping we'd probably get somebody else signed, but there's still time, and so we'll let it ride. But all right, kind of moving on, ahead of free agency, of course, the franchise tag is a major talking point um, around the league. For those of you who do not know, the franchise tag is essentially a tag that a team can place on a player, which gives them the option to keep that player on their team for that season. And it comes at varying costs depending on the player and, like, contract stipulations. We'll get to that in a second, like Chris Jones but it's an effective way of keeping players in-house if you want them to. The players have a right to sign said tag. Um, I think they have to do it before July. I think the deadline's in July, and if they don't sign it and potentially try to hold out, it leads to a lot more chaos that we'll probably get into during the summer. But let's just start off with Baker Mayfield, a guy who had a really big resurgence year with the Air, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do you think Tampa does with him? Do you think they franchise tag him, sign him to an extension, or let him walk in free agency? I think they're going to sign him to an extension. I mean, like you said, he had a resurgence in Tampa. And, like, I don't – I'm not going to say there aren't quarterbacks in this upcoming free agency that are better than Baker because I obviously think 
uh, Kirk Cousins, potentially Russell Wilson, are better than Baker. But I don't see Tampa being a team that's able to get the upper echelon guys at quarterback. So I think they're just going to stick with the guy that they had success with this past season. Yeah, and I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, especially considering how late they're picking in the draft. Like, unless they were willing to trade the house, they would have to move all the way up to get a quarterback or hope that one falls into their laps. It's easier to stick with the devil, you know. Um, All right, let's move on to Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. I think he's going to get tagged. I think he's going to sign an extension. Last year was a pretty – considering what he did in 2022 when he had over 1,800 rushing yards, led the league in rushing yards – he, this past season was not the same impact. And I mean, obviously injuries played a role in that, but I could see them, I could see them getting an extension done because I think that his value is a bit less than it was ahead of this season. And especially if I'm Josh Jacobs, I really want to want to push my luck because running backs kind of come a dime a dozen. And when he didn't play, Zamir White was holding it down. Um, Brandon Bolden was holding it down and uh, Amir Abdullah as well. And so it's not like the Raiders can't go out and replace him if need be. And I don't think he's going to command top dollar on the market. So I think they're going to be able to come up with an extension. Uh, Speaking of another running back, Giants uh, former pro bowler, Saquon Barkley. I think it's time. I think he walks. I think he's gone. Yeah, I think he's gone too. All right. Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. I think he... I think they're going to push hard to try to get him to sign an extension, but I think ultimately he might end up getting tagged. Yeah, I think he's going to get tagged. I know a lot of people are saying, man, T. Higgins would look great here. He'd do this, he'd do that. Yeah, sure. But I guarantee you, Cincinnati's not letting him walk out that door. Like, if he leaves, it's not going to be an easy one to go. I think he gets tagged as well. All right, another receiver, uh, Colts wide out, Michael Pittman Jr., I think he signs an extension. Yeah, coming off a career year, I mean, if I didn't learn anything from the Colt, my time with the Colts this season was they love my pick and they want him on the team come next season. He was their leader, leading receiver in receptions, yards, targets, touchdowns, and most of them were by a wide margin. You don't let a guy walk out that building if you don't have to. I think he ends up getting tagged just because I'm unsure of like what his thought process is in terms of like his what he should be making every year and if that aligns with Chris Ballard and the rest of the front office. But I don't think he goes anywhere. All right, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, we have defensive tackle for the Chiefs, Chris Jones, who I mentioned earlier that the cost of the franchise tag varies. And considering the um, one-year extension that Chris Jones signed with the Chiefs this past season, that um, and the incentives that came with it, his franchise tag balloons all the way up to $32 million if they were to put it on him this offseason. What do you think happens with Chris Jones? I think he I think he walks. Um I think he's won now three titles. He's proven to be the best guy on the defensive side of a, a championship caliber team. I think he's gonna chase a bag. I feel that. I I just think he's one of those guys that are way too valuable to let walk out the door. And so I think that while it can, it's going to end up hurting them later, which I'll get to shortly, like, 
I think that they do find a way to come up with an extension because he's one of those guys, like, he's earned every penny he gets. Like, like you said, he was the best player on this defense that was one of the top five defenses in the league who's coming off a great playoff run, and he had one of the best years of his career. Like, he's the heart and soul of that defense. You take him away, I don't think he they have the same impact that they do. So I think they find a way to get an extension done, even though it affects them elsewhere. All right, next up, sticking on the defensive line, uh, Dolphins defensive tackle Christian Watkins. I mean, Wilkins. Christian, I think he gets tagged. I do too. I think that Miami, another guy who, like, he's obviously not getting as much praise as Chris Jones, but he is very, very good. He's the most consistent piece of that front seven. You don't want to let him walk if you don't have to. Um, All right, moving on to linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen. I think they get a deal done. You can't let your best pass rock, pass rusher walk out of that building. One thousand percent. I'm gonna say tag because they also have a conversation with Calvin Ridley and trying to figure out a contract for him. But like Josh Allen, by far is their best. Honestly, he's their best player. I know people are. Some people are gonna say Trevor Lawrence. I get it. He's the quarterback. You're usually gonna give him praise. But at the end of the day, in terms of just consistently producing, and everybody knows he's coming, and they can't do nothing about it. Yeah, it's not. Um. It's barbecue chicken. I, I think that Josh Allen isn't going anywhere. And what was so funny to me, I don't remember what week this was during the season, but Jacksonville had posted a graphic that was like the duo of um, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker have the most sacks of any pass rushing duo in the league. And, like, you look at the replies, and everybody's like, yeah, nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. Guess the breakdown of sacks between Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. I'm going to say, all right, how about this? You give me the number of total sacks. 22. 22. I am going to say Josh Allen had 16 out of 22. You're absolutely right. He had 16 and Trayvon Walker had six. That was probably one of the funniest tweets I've seen this season because they really thought they did something with that. All right, couple more before we play our game of believable or buffoonery. Um, another Kansas City Chiefs cornerback, Legarius Sneed. I think he's the one that walks. I agree. I think because, like I mentioned, I do think that they end up paying Chris Jones. It's going to affect them in other ways, and I think that Legarius is going to be the guy who goes. Trent McDuffie, obviously, like he's been playing really, really well. Legarius Sneed has kind of been the most consistent guy in that secondary. He's been really, really good these past couple of seasons. But, I mean, everybody can't get paid, unfortunately, so I think he's going to end up being on his way out. All right, last but not least, we got Buccaneer safety Antoine Winfield Jr., I think, I think he is tight. I think so too. I think, I think this defense is going to look very different, or at least in the front seven. Um, Levante David could potentially retire. I don't think they're going to re-sign Devin White, which sucks. But I mean, aim he gets to go somewhere else and be great. That secondary, I can see them making some changes because Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are both making a lot of money. But in my opinion, I think a lot of people will probably agree, the best defensive player they had this past season was Antoine Winfield. It was the best season of his career. He did literally everything for him. If I'm Todd Bowles in this front office, I'm not letting him leave. But all right, sticking in the NFC South, uh, the Falcons, they've already said their top priority is finding a quarterback. 
And so much so that there's been so many different possibilities, whether trading up in the draft, trying to bring in a veteran, maybe making a trade for somebody like Justin Fields. Who knows? But Sam Munson of the 33rd team said, the Falcons are a Kirk Cousins away from potentially contending in the NFC. Is that believable or buffoonery? I'm going to say, I'm going to say buffoonery. Um, do I think if they get Kirk Cousins, they win the, the NFC South? 100%. Do I think them getting Kirk Cousins makes them a top, a upper echelon team in the entire NFC? No. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like, no, I think that. This they made a lot of strides, you know, especially defensively. But I mean, they still struggle with a pass rush. They have to prioritize that. And they need some help in their secondary, another corner to pair with AJ Terrell. And I mean, that offense is very good. Like the run game is good. Drake London is good. Still don't know what the hell they're doing with Kyle Pitts. And I think they could stand to have another weapon on the outside. And so, like you said, like her cousin would definitely make them the favorites in that division, and rightfully so, especially if everybody stay healthy. But if you're asking me, do I think that they could beat the 49ers right now? Absolutely not. Do I think that they could be realistically, let's say, who else is in the NFC? Do I think that they could beat the Cowboys? No. Do I think they could beat the Eagles at their strength? No. But I think that in terms of favors for that division, I think that's fair. Um, all right, moving on. We talked a bit about NCAA football 25 and one fan proposed a name change for the game. They said, name the series after Saban, make him the college football version of John Madden. Believable or buffoonery, the new NCAA football game should be named after Nick Saban. I am going to say no, because if I'm not mistaken, John Madden created the game, which is why it's called Madden. I don't know if he did or not. Hold on. Because I think I could be wrong. I'm going to look it up. I don't think that um, I think that they just named it after him and he was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't think that he ever, I don't think he played a role in it. Like, yeah. Yeah, he, um, he gave creative input for it, but, like, the decision was kind of already made, and then he did commentary for several years in it, but I don't think he, like, made it. But, yeah. But I, if we're talking about honoring people, it would make sense. Like, if they were going to name it after anybody, Saban would make the most sense. But yeah. I don't know. Saban 25 don't hit the same like Madden 25, you know? But I, I get the point. I get where they were going with that. But... I'd say believable if they were going to try to change the name. Otherwise, NCAA football works. Because now everybody knows what it is. It's no confusion. There you go. But I, uh, we talked about the Chiefs and some potential free agent decisions that they are going to have to make um, this offseason. And one of Chiefs pundit made a very interesting claim. We talked about Chris Jones and just the impact on that defense. And Jeff Darlington of ESPN said, I'd rather have Mike Evans in the offense than Chris Jones on this defense. Believable or buffoonery, Mike Evans on the Chiefs would be more valuable than Chris Jones on the Chiefs. It's believable, 100%, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's believable, but I'm going to say buffoonery because, like, 
if you take Chris Jones out of that defense, I it's going to look drastically different. Yeah. Like, you aren't going to get his level of pass rush because, yes, they have George Karloftis, but Chris Jones has been their best pass rusher for years. And, like, they – yeah, I will go Chris Jones on defense over Mike Evans because the reality of it is the guy on offense that you need is 15. Yeah. It's not receiver. Yeah, and I mean, we literally just saw this past season with that defense led by Chris Jones, what they were able to do with, at best, above average wide receiver play. So, I love Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans will be great there, but nah. If I'm the Chiefs, my priority is keeping Chris Jones in the building. You'll figure it out at wide receiver. All right, a couple more before we recap All-Star Weekend. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles have been dealt Quite a lot of criticism over the past couple of months, and rightfully so. Their collapse uh, midway, well, deep into the season is one for the history books. So much so that Chris Sims of Pro Football Talk said, I think Jalen Hurts is also like the most overrated player in football. He added, if you put Kyler in there, you'd say, damn, Kyler's amazing. Is he the MVP of football? Believable or funny, Jalen Hurts is the most overrated player in the NFL. I'm going to say buffoonery because I don't care what nobody say. Jalen Hurts wins football games. Like, they had, since he's been a starting quarterback, they've won games. Like, yes, they had a rough season. I think it was a lot of other factors that went into the decline this season, like their offensive line wasn't as good as they were the previous season. Their secondary couldn't stop a nosebleed. Yeah, like, I don't... Yes, did Jalen Hurts have his part in it? Absolutely. But, like, this season wasn't all on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, there was 100% worse quarterback play in the NFL. And so, I agree with you. I think it's buffoonery. In your opinion, though, who do you think is the most overrated player in the league? If you had to, like, I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot, but if you had to pick. Most overrated player in the league. It's hard, though, because, like, early I was like, maybe Josh Allen. But I'm like, nah, like, he's still a top five quarterback. He still gets way more attention and praise than he deserves, just considering what he's accomplished, or at least what he hasn't accomplished. But I don't know if i say he's most overrated. Most overrated player. Oh, this easy. And then maybe just because of one season, but I'm going to say Deron Bland. That's a good point. Yeah, because, like, for the pick six games, like, a perfect example. That Washington game on Thanksgiving was amazing. Man, that brother could eat off that game for the rest of his career. Then that Seahawks game happened. And DK made him look like a little boy all night. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I that's a good one. Because um, of right now, I can't really think of anybody else. So, I think I'm going to agree with you. But, yeah, Deron Bland is a really good one. Because, like, Loki, there's no way he should have been the defensive player of the year conversation. At all. I get it. Like, he picked off a lot of passes, but so did Geno Stone, who's the Ravens' backup safety. Like, come on now. Um, all right, last thing. Justin Fields 
it it has been a bit of a Shakespearean experience with the Chicago Bears. Will they or won't they trade Justin Fields? And honestly, he spoke candidly um, on the podcast with the Monra and Equiminius St. Brown and said he just wants to know what his future holds. It all started when it appears he unfollowed the Chicago Bears on social media, to which he said he compared it to liking a girl. He said, just because you don't follow the girl doesn't mean you don't mess with them. Alternatively, while people were follow watching, which I think is kind of weird, they also noticed that he follows guys like B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts, players for the Atlanta Falcons, to which when asked about that, he said Atlanta would be tough. I think they got a lot of playmakers on the team, B. John, my boy Kyle Pitts, and of course, Drake London. But that did not take away from his desire to stay in Chicago. He said, I can't see myself playing in another place. If it were up to me, I'd stay in Chicago. I just want it to be over. Just let me know if I'm getting traded or let me know if I'm staying. So uh, free agency opens up in less than a month. Um, I'm sure during the senior bowl, apparently there were inquiries about Justin Fields availability. It doesn't seem like the bears are trading away the first overall pick. So it's got to beg the question, believable or buffoonery. Justin Fields will be a bear come to this time next month. And we're recording this February 23rd. So March 23rd, will Justin Fields be a bear? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think, I just I think like the best solution to it is you draft because if I'm not mistaken, Justin Fit was Justin Fields like they have a whole new front office, right? Yes, Ryan Poles was not the GM who uh, drafted him. So yeah, you have a whole new front office. Yes, you have you're going in the second year, I think, of Matt Eberflus being the coach. But, like, I don't see him being there. I think with the new front office, they're going to want to get the guy that they think is going to be their guy. And they think it's going to be probably Caleb or maybe Drake May. I don't see Justin Fields being a bear um, coming next month. I don't think so either, but also, like, I understand Justin Fields, like, wanting to be somewhere and, like, playing some roots. I 100% get that. But honestly, I think both sides need a fresh start. Like, I think no matter what Justin Fields does, anything short of getting them to the playoffs is going to be a disappointment. If you're not showing marked improvement each and every year, people are going to be coming down on Justin Fields. And I think that going to a new place where there's a renewed excitement, where people are excited to have you, because it doesn't really feel like Chicago is excited to have you, because if they were, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And so I think that that could be really good for him and his confidence. Whereas for Chicago, low-key, getting a rookie quarterback saves jobs. If you're Ryan Poles, you get time because the ownership isn't really just going to fire you outright one year after you draft a rookie. It's going to take time for that rookie to develop and you put talent around them and you help them elevate and grow their game. Same for Matt Eberflus, even though I do think he ends up getting fired, but you have a longer shelf life. You at least will probably get one full season as opposed to Justin Fields. Y'all start three and four, two and five. I can see him getting bounced midseason. And so I just think for both sides, it's time to move on. It hasn't worked. And I'm still banging the drum on Justin Fields in Atlanta. I know we talked about Kirk Cousins potentially, but I think Justin Fields will be a lot more fun. So I was just about to ask, so is that the team that you think is the better fit? 100%. 
with the way that offense is run, I think it plays his strengths. Obviously, I do think they still need, like, like I said, another weapon on the outside, but I do think that with one, they have a really good offensive line, which is huge. They have a consistently good run game that's going to help them out a lot. So Justin Fields won't have to do everything. Because prior to last season when they got DJ Moore, obviously DJ Moore didn't cure all their sins because no other receiver did anything of note. But at least with Atlanta and this past season, like Justin Fields at least had a reliable target to go to. Now in Atlanta, he has a few other guys he can look to. Obviously, you mentioned B. John Robinson. Raheem Morris is going to be taking over. I think this offense is going to be a bit more balanced and aggressive. I think Atlanta's the best fit. Gotcha. What about you? What do you think he ends up? I'm torn between Atlanta and Pittsburgh. The reason I think I the only reason I feel like Pittsburgh might be the better fit is because of the stability of other organization. Like I can see Atlanta, like obviously not this season and maybe not next season, but depending on what happens, like I can see Atlanta turning into another bear situation where like you're going to have new new front office, maybe new head coach coming in. But, like, Pittsburgh, like, they're going to stay in tow and they're going to be, like, stable. You might not get that much movement from a front office or head coach standpoint. So, and I think, like, if you can get Justin Fields in a stable environment, I think they could play, like, dividends to his, like, the next steps of his career. That's fair. But, I mean, another thing with Justin Fields is he's got a contract coming up. And I could see – I'll say this. It would be very complicated for Pittsburgh to trade for him and then immediately give him a contract extension. Because I think that's kind of with Justin Fields in this current situation. You kind of got to pay him as soon as you get him. Unless you want to, like, wait it out. And then he, he – let's say he has a great year and leads whatever team he's on to the playoffs. That price tag is going to shoot up through the roof. And I could see Atlanta being more gung-ho to do it than Pittsburgh. Or at least early on. But it'll be interesting to see. Either way, he's not going to be a bear. But all right, let's go ahead and move on uh, to NBA updates. Recap of All-Star Weekend. Um, Damian Lillard, for the second straight year, is our three-point champion. Uh, Mac McGlung repeats as dunk contest champion. I'm not going to lie to you, brothers and sisters. I didn't watch it, but I heard it was boring. Um, let's see. Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionesco go toe to toe in their three point competition, but Steph edges out Sabrina 29 to 26. Um, team Pacers wins the skills contest. And last but certainly not least, well, maybe it is the East defeats the West in the all star game, dropping a record 211 points again. Ethan, I don't know if you watched any of it, but I didn't watch any of it. But people were pretty pissed by the lack of effort in the All-Star game, which Loki has been said, like, what, for the past four or five years now? Yeah. I haven't. I didn't watch anything, and I made the right decision. Yeah. It, it sounds like you missed literally nothing. Um, and so it begs the question of how can the All-Star Weekend, or at least specifically the All-Star Game, get better? And so I saw a few different takes online. And, like, some of them I thought were pretty dope. So what we're going to do is we are going to pick which of these options we think would be the best move to increase, enhance the experience of the All-Star Game. 
So first off, we have um, the option of a one-on-one or two-on-two tournament. Low-key, people have been saying this for a minute now, but, you know, it was reaffirmed lately. I think it was Gilbert Arenas who said it. And essentially, the concept is you have a one-on-one or two-verse-two and let the talent speak. King of the court, winner gets a million dollars. Another suggestion was having all-stars versus all-star snubs. Um, and then how this would work would be that the player, the players who were voted in the top 12 players, they go. And then the next 12 on the ballot go against each other as a way of creating competition. The snubs could want to prove that they're better than the all-stars vice versa, or a mindset of the NBA all-star game, easiest fix in the world. The conference winner gets home court advantage in the NBA finals. Of those three, which one do you think would make for a better viewing experience? I'm always going to say one-on-one or two-on-two tournament. See, the only the only way I would want a one-on-one or a 2v2 tournament is you would have to take it. I would want that in place of the dunk contest, not the actual all-star game itself. That's fair. Um, so out of the three that's listed, I probably would go with the um the concept around like when it gets home court advantage in the finals yeah because like I don't care like I don't care what nobody say having like to know that like you get the most like the home court advantage going into the championship round like that means a lot yeah that's real. Um, I now in terms of like those two different philosophies, I would agree with you. I would also say I think that would be better just because the snubs, like they may play hard, but the all stars don't care. I mean, I still got in, and also it becomes complicated because every year, like, there's an all star who gets voted in, but they end up getting hurt, and so like eventually, like one of those snubs would have to come to the other team, and I think that it could just get kind of complicated. Whereas, like you said, with this, like this is something that everybody like. Let's be honest, at least one player on the each all-star team is going to be in the finals. And uh-huh. obviously we don't know who that's going to be just this moment, but I think that that would help like make it more competitive because this is something that helps you out in the long run. And like you said, home court advantage, I know we don't totally talk about it as much in sports like basketball, but it does absolutely play a role. So I agree with you. I do think that if it was up to me, I think that that's what I would do. But, again, I'm all for the one-on-one contest. Because, like you said, the dunk contest right now is just – it's bad. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to some news around the league. A guy you are quite familiar with, point guard Mike Conley, has signed a two-year, $21 million extension with the Minnesota Timberwolves, keeping him in Minnesota for at least the next few years. And the Brooklyn Nets have decided to fire their head coach, Jock Vaughn. Not exactly the season that the Nets were hoping for. Um, they've elected to dismiss him and fire him. Um, prior to this, um, they had gone 21-33 and 33, uh, this season. Their last game was a tough one. They lost 136-86 to 86 to the Celtics. Unfortunately, Vaughn had taken over for the team back in November 22 after the team fired Steve Nash, which is crazy to think Steve Nash was an NBA head coach. Um, and now he has been taped. Now they've elected, uh, to name Kevin Ollie, a former coach and NBA player in his own right as their interim head coach. In your opinion, do you think the Nets made the right move firing Vaughn? Uh, I'm 
going to say no. I think I think Javon is a good coach. I I just think that like it takes time to build up like a winning team. Like you can even have talent because the Nets have talent. Because you look at their roster, they have Mikael Bridges, they have Cam Johnson, they have Nick Claxton, who's one of the better defensive bigs in the league. Like they have talent on their roster. I think like it just takes time to build a culture to become a winning team. And he was the interim head coach last year. Y'all offer him a full time position, and it's like, oh, you aren't winning this season. Now you're fired. Like it's no, like it's no real. You aren't creating any stability to even foster like a winning program. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that because looking at it now, over the last two seasons in Brooklyn, went 64 and 65, they made the playoffs last year. And I think that obviously this year has been rough, but they also haven't really been healthy. Like Cam Johnson has been inconsistently on the court with injuries. And, I mean, it's not like this is a team that's, like, chalk full with, like, yeah, they're one piece away from, like, being an NBA contender. Like, they're a team that's fighting to make the playoffs, and, like, they're still trying to get used to each other. Because, I mean, this big trade happened, what, less than a year and a half ago with that brought Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges over. And so I think that – I agree with you. I think the move feels a bit premature. I think that, like you said, it takes a bit more time to develop and build those relationships overall. But, I mean, I think that – I understand the frustration if you're Brooklyn – and I, I feel like, though, like, well, after the whole Steve Nash thing, like, they're just trying so hard to get it right. Like, because I still don't think they should have fired Kenny Atkinson when they did. Mm-hmm. And so since then, it just feels like they've been kind of grasping at straws and just trying to find somebody who works, find somebody who fits. And when it seems like it may not be working, as soon as it doesn't work, they're just quick to move on to avoid egg on their face. But I think that Jock could at least finish this season. And so we're not sure exactly how many NBA head coaching uh, opportunities are going to up open up come the end of the season. But in your opinion, do you think that Brooklyn is an appealing head coach destination? Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, you you have talent on their roster. Like, you have Mikael Bridges, Cam Thompson, you all, Cam Johnson. You also have Cam Thompson. Like, they're a team – they're a team that you can like I'm not going to say they're going to be a championship contending team because I do think like they need a definitive like star star player Mm -hmm. I think Mikhail is a great second option and Cam is a great third option level player like they need their one like alpha piece of like you know like a Especially, I think they might need it at the point guard position. Like, say you would have gotten, like, Dane. If Dane would have came mm-hmm. instead of going to Milwaukee, I think that would have been interesting to see. But I do think it's appealing because they. it's not like they don't have talent. They have talent. Right. I, I think it is, too, just because even though, well, I think it is because, like you said, this is a young team that's growing and they're trying to really find out what their identity is. And so while they're waiting on opportunity to get one of those star guys and bring them in, I think that this is allows them a really, really good chance to, 
You know, like, see what they have in guys, like you mentioned, like Michael Bridges and Nick Claxton and Cam Thomas, who's, like, been the most hot and cold player in the NBA for, like, the past two years. Um, I think, though, what could make it hard is, like, the front office and Sean Marks and not necessarily feeling like you have an opportunity. Like, you don't have that stability. Like, after a season and a half, am I going to get fired if we're, like, not in the play-in? Like... What, what, like, you don't know how much trust you have from the front office to turn things around. And so I think more than, like, the talent on the roster, like, I think that would probably be the biggest drawback is just not knowing how secure your job actually is just because it seems like the Nets are so quick to fire somebody, you know, at the first sign of trouble. But all right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. And we got to start off with Doc Rivers. So following an uninspiring start to his Milwaukee Bucks tenure, Doc Rivers has been pretty adamant that the team is having its struggles. Not exactly because of him, though. Um, so, for example, after, you know, taking on the job, he's publicly said, it's been harder than I thought, you know, taking over for the team midseason. And he also mentioned how he would have preferred to start with the team after the All-Star break. Obviously, that didn't happen. Three and seven his first 10 games. He also, for example, last weekend, their loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. He said, we have some guys here, some guys in Cabo. Essentially, not taking any accountability, which has been an issue for uh, Doc Rivers, specifically for former player J.J. Redick, who said, I've seen this trend for years. The trend is always making excuses. Doc, we get it. Taking over a team in the middle of a season is hard. It's always an excuse. It's always throwing your team under the bus. There's never any accountability with that guy. Obviously, other players start to chime in. Patrick Beverly, uh, Doc Rivers' son, Austin. But at the end of the day, none of the points exactly counter what J.J. Reddick said about Doc not taking accountability. And so, believable or buffoonery, Doc Rivers is the most overrated coach in the NBA. By a thousand percent. Yeah. Agreed. Like, and no, no way am I saying Doc Rivers is not a good coach, but... For he's like hailed as like one of the best coaches in the NBA, surefire Hall of Famer, a guy who really you bring him in, he turns around programs and franchises. Take away that 08 Celtics team, what team has he made better? I got nothing. Yeah, I mean every every team that he coached outside of that 08 Celtics team. The teams that he had were supremely talented, but they always – with the Clippers, I'll give him one caveat. is Chris Paul always got hurt in the playoffs. Yeah. I will give that. But still, like, he didn't – him coaching didn't make or break these teams. No. And his lack of adjustments, particularly in the playoffs, led to a lot of losses, a lot of underwhelming performances – and yet, we don't really talk about that. It's like, oh, Doc Rivers, he's such a great coach. Is he not? Like, he's good, but great. Because with all the talent that he's coaching his career, the fact that he only has one championship ring feels insane. 
But all right, let's go ahead and move on. One of the more enjoyable things about All-Star Weekend, or at least via social media, was just being able to see the relationship between Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic, who we all know are very close friends. Uh, during the weekend, Nikola Jokic was asked about the possibility of he and Luka playing together and said, I don't want to leave Denver, but if Luka gets pissed off in Dallas, he can come. Believable or buffoonery, we will one day see Luka and Jokic on the same NBA team. I'm going to say believable. Because um, I think that's what that's the scenario that's going to happen. Is I think Luka's going to reach a boiling point and he's going to leave Dallas. And you know Mark Cuban going to be sick about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's believable as well. Because Luke, nobody denies Luka is very talented. I just don't know how far this Mavericks team is going to go, and one could argue it may have the most talent that it's ever had with this current iteration. And after a while, I mean, playing games to play games is cool, but not everybody is a Damian Lillard. They don't want to just stay with the same team for over a decade and have marginal playoff success. Like, why stay here when I could be winning in Denver with Nikola Jokic and form the best duo in the NBA? He may have to say, well... I'm trying to think, would he have to play second fiddle? I'm going to be honest. On their team, I wouldn't even consider it being second fiddle. I just think that I just think they'll play off each other. I feel that. I, yeah, I think so, too. Because, I mean, <laughs> both are – I'm sorry, go ahead. Nah, you can go ahead. I was just going to say both are so talented in their own right and play such different styles that I think, like, they would work so well together to, like – you can't just slag off and be like, okay, well, we'll tonight we'll emphasize Nikola Jokic and whatever, Luka can do what he won't or vice versa. Like, there's no way in hell you can do that. You have to give equal attention to both. And, like, the the greatness of Nikola Jokic is, is he's a dude that can dominate a game and he doesn't even have to take a lot of shots. Yeah. Like, hold on. This look like his stat line last night. He yeah. had a triple-double shooting 100% from the field. I promise you he probably didn't take more than 15 shots. I'm about to look it up right now. Yeah, I don't think he did. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I can look it up too. Hold on. I got it right here in front of me. Okay. He, Nikola Jokic. 10 to 10. Took, yeah, 10 to 10. I'll take that so, every night. So, yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to happen one day. And we'll, it'll be very interesting to see how the NBA looks after that. Um, talking about the interesting way the NBA has looked or could have looked, one trade as a Lakers fan that I will always be upset that didn't go through was Chris Paul having a trade to the Lakers being vetoed. Still real salty about that. However, that was another potential Lakers trade that could have added them a superstar that ended up not going through. Carmelo Anthony recently sat down with the uh, Y podcast and discussed how prior to being traded to the uh, New York Knicks in 2011, he thought he was going to be a Laker. He said the deal was done with the Lakers, me and Nene for Lamar Odom and Bynum. That deal was done. I never thought about New York. When they turned that deal down, speaking of Denver, now it's like, oh, y'all don't want me in the West. Gonna send me to the East Get me to New York. A trio of Melo, Kobe, and Pau Gasol would have been so cool, especially because we had just won back-to-back titles. It's so believable or buffoonery. Had the Nuggets traded Melo to the Lakers in 2011, the Lakers would have 3 repeated. 
I'm going to say buffoonery because I don't know how the chemistry of Toby and Melo would have worked out early on. I I agree with that point, but I'm trying to think what 2011 was Dallas because that was the first year of LeBron in Miami. Uh We would have beat Dallas. Like, I know they swept us or whatever, wham, wham, wham. But I think that early on it probably would be tough with Kobe and Melo just trying to, like, sort out those dynamics. 100% I think Chris Paul would have been the better fit. But I think that just defensively, we kind of talked about it with, like, Nikola Jokic and, like, Luka. This isn't the same thing, but, like, it would have been very – you can't – you got to pick your poison. Do you want to deal with Melo or you want to deal with Kobe? And I think that just would have been too much offensively for teams. And I think that it could have resulted in another championship. I don't think they would have worked together long term, but at least for like that year or maybe a couple years after, I I think we would have got at least one more ring. All right, speaking of rings, LeBron James is on a quest for his, what, this will be five, right? Yep. yep. He's on a quest for his fifth one. However, he also acknowledges that his time in the NBA is coming to an end soon. Uh, when talking about his potential retirement uh, during All-Star Weekend, he said he's 50-50 on whether or not he wants to take a farewell tour like Kobe or just randomly retire like Tim Duncan. Is it believable or buffoonery LeBron will go out like Tim Duncan? No. It's not. It yeah, it's big before. He's not doing that. I'm not saying LeBron is like an attention whore, but I don't think LeBron would pass up the opportunity to have 82 nights of teens basically kissing his butt and telling him how great he is. Thanks. Hang on, like, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't pass up on that. Yeah, like to in my opinion, this is why I don't think it would happen since. LeBron James has been the most scrutinized man in the NBA for years. To have one season where you don't have to go through that, sign I me would up. Take it up. Ten out of ten. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, LeBron, you you can play the coy card if you want. It does not work for you. You would take the farewell tour. Honestly, I think he'd pull a Tom Brady. I could absolutely see him being somebody who, like, all right, I'm done. I'm retiring, and then change his mind to come back. Oh, yeah, 100%. I could 100% see that. But, no, the whole Tim Duncan route, nah, bro, that's not. Even though, honestly, Tim Duncan wouldn't have had, like, the farewell tour Kobe got. Nah. So, you got to be, and no disrespect to Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is great. Tim Duncan is amazing. But if you're getting, like, a farewell tour, you got to be, like, an entirely different, like, atmosphere. And I don't think Tim Duncan is there to the point where, like, Every night, whoever they play is, like, honoring him. I don't think they do all that. Tim Duncan just didn't have the fanfare. Like, Yeah, and, like, he didn't have, like, the memorable moments and, like, highlight packages, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, his personality, the way that he went about playing the game, like, he didn't, like, if you would have been, like, now you were, there are pockets of people that are huge advocates and fans of Tim Duncan. Like, I'm one of them. But, like, if you say, like, oh, Tim Duncan is going on, like, a farewell tour, I I think people would show up because they they would appreciate his greatness because it's about to end. 
but I don't think it would be. I definitely don't think it would be at the same level of like a Kobe or LeBron. Yeah, and most importantly, Tim Duncan would have want that crap anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. It would probably drive him insane. Like I think Coach Pop, he's just gonna retire out the blue because he would absolutely deserve a farewell tour. He wouldn't yeah. want it though. Oh, yeah. I honestly don't think nobody from that Spurs like era would want one or would want to do it. All right, speaking of potential retirements of LeBron, obviously the current faces of the league have been LeBron, recently in the past 10 years, Steph Curry, maybe throw Kevin Durant in there as well. And while all those guys are getting up there in age and nearing the ends of their playing career, there's a new generation of NBA players who are ready to take up that mantle, one of them being Celtics star Jason Tatum, who said, I feel like it's mine to take in terms of the term face of the league. And so he said, if we win a championship, it will be more distinguished and clear. But I understand I'm in that short list for sure. I understand that no matter what I do in the regular season, I'm at this point. I'm at the point where people just judge me off whether I can win a championship. So believable or buffoonery, if the Celtics win a title, Jason Tatum is positioned to be the next face of the NBA following retirements of LeBron and Steph, of course. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say buffoonery. Um, I think it would give him a very valuable spot, but I think, like personally, when I think of like guys that are could be potential face of the NBA, I still like in the hierarchy of young guys, I still think Anthony Edwards because of his personality. Like, yes, Ja had his like legal not even legal troubles, but off the court issues. But the fact of the matter is the world loves a redemption story. Who's to say Ja comes back, like hypothetically speaking, Jason Tatum wins the championship this year. Let's say Ja comes back next year. Everybody's fully healthy and the Grizzlies won a championship, which would be my dream. But I don't know if it would happen. But hypothetically, like because of Ja's personality and because of the fact that he overcame those things, I can see Job being positioned to be the face of the league before Jason Tatum. I agree. Uh, I'm sorry, keep going. So yeah, I I think Jason Tatum's in like the top. I would say top five because you can still throw, like you could potentially throw um, Luca in there. Even though I don't think Luca would want it, but I don't see him being like the top top guy. And I also think like personality plays a really big part in it, and like. At this very moment, you could argue that of, like, the next generation or potentially, like, face of the league guys, Jason Tatum may be the best of them all. But it's like he's not somebody whose, like, personality, like, just jumps off the screen, like like an ant or a John Morant. And, like, things like that matter. Like, especially if we're going to try to put you in all these commercials and we're sending you to these uh, red carpets and all these different events, like, you are meant to represent the league we can't just view you as boring and not to say Jason Tatum isn't is boring or anything, but like he doesn't show a whole bunch of personality one way or another. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, you know, as an NBA fan, would you rather go kick it with Anthony Edwards or Jason Tatum? I'd rather kick it with Ant. And it's also like, it's it's, it's another guy that could semi be considered boring, but like, I would consider him more of a face of the league than Jason Tatum and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Because, yeah. like, 
his his on the court production he's shown it, and like he might not necessarily have the big personality, but when you like he's a he's a fat he's a big fashion guy that gets him a lot of attention, and like his captions and stuff on Instagram has given him a lot of off the court like personality as well. Um, so I think I could see Jason Tatum being in like the four between the four five six range, then like the top spot. Yeah, and that's a really good point about Shay because, like, the NBA now is trying to, like, put its hand in so many different baskets, including fashion. And so if you can get somebody who, like, melds the two worlds and does so effectively, I think that would be, like, really good for business. Case in point, what was that, 2K, 22, 23, when you had to do, like, catwalks and stuff in the game for my career, mm-hmm. which was so stupid. Oh, uh, but, yeah, did. I agree. With you. I'm sorry, what you say? I never did it. I just kept playing games. I don't blame you. It's it's so stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I think Shay is also like up there as one of those guys too. But all right, uh, that is the main portion of our show. And now it is time for me and Embryo to do our elimination chamber predictions. All right, everybody, and now joining me to make elimination chamber predictions is my embryo. My Embry Ho, my Embry Bro, Chris Waters. How you doing today, Embryo? I am doing good. Had a decent day at work, and now I'm just chillaxing. How you doing? I'm I'm doing. Now, just a heads up, everybody. We are recording this before Raw, so by the time like the main show, aka the first two portions of the show, come out, we'll probably have some updates by the time Ethan makes his predictions and all that jazz. But as of right now, what we got is what we got in terms of the Elimination Chamber card. And so, Embryo, are you ready to make some predictions? Yes, I am definitely ready to make some predictions. And I can't wait for your winning streak to end. It's not going to end. It, <laughs> it's it, not. It definitely why do you? Why are you wishing bad on me? I'm not wishing no bad on you. I'm just being honest. Um, And honestly, more than likely, this will probably be the match that you might, might not be the most excited for because, honestly, it's one I'm not the most excited for. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be a possible banger. And that is the Undisputed Tag Team Championship match between the Judgment Day, a.k.a. Finn Balor and Damian Priest, versus British Strong Style comprised of Tyler Bate and my main man, Peter Dune. <laughs> as much as I love me some Pete Dunne and I want to see him hold some gold, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Judgment Day retain. Yes, I definitely agree. Um, I just don't see the judgment day dropping it right now. Um, I know we spoke in the past, and I know we didn't talk about how it's going to be a feud with Damien and Finn, but uh, I just I just don't see it. Um, that's a new tag team. They're pretty good, and they probably should win it, you know, to build them up some, or at least to split the titles. You know what I mean? Yes. But until, like, if, it was, if it was just for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, I would pick them. But it's for the undisputed championships. Um, I'm going with the Judgment Day. I think it's still a little more they can do with that. So all Judgment Day. Now, getting off on a side tangent as we normally do, but this is a legitimate question: yeah. Who do you? What tag team do you think is going to take the titles off of them? Because honestly, the only <clears throat> one I can possibly think of is the Street Profits. I can't see anybody else doing it. Yeah. Um, mm. It should definitely be the Street Profits. Um, that faction needs something because even though I love Triple H and what he's been doing with the business, don't get me wrong, having them 
in Carrie and Cross group feud and two brand new groups is just wasn't smart. It wasn't smart to do. They're both trying to build each other up. So I can I can see them, the Street Profits, or if you really trying to go all in with Carrie Cross, them AOP. I can definitely see AOP doing it. They are form tag team champions. They're very um big guys. Like, you know, somebody I can like legit feel like can beat the judgment day. Um Either them or the Street Profits. I didn't say no line. People saying, you know, all truth is. I think that's gonna happen with a tag team match, but I don't see them, you know, taking the belts off of them. So, Street Profits or AOP. That's who I'm going for. And I'm gonna disagree with you. I don't mind carrying Cross's faction, and I think they're the, they're called the Pride now. Don't quote me. They're, they're called some. They call. Oh, was they, no, I thought it was um Bobby Lashley to the Pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember what Karrion Cross and his group is called right now. I remember when I don't care. Um, but yeah, I don't mind them going at it because, like, initially when Bobby and the Street Profits got together, they were supposed to be heels. And, like, yeah. obviously nobody really wanted to boo them or root against them. And so having Karrion Cross and have his group, like, definitively be the heels, it helped to make them, like, bona fide faces again. And so I'm not mad at it. But I agree with you in the sense of, like, you want to build up both factions, so why kind of throw each other to the wolves if you don't have to? Definitely, definitely. Um, and they haven't even had a ma- like banger match. Like, put them in a match. Like, if I'm correct, they haven't even had a match. If I'm correct, I could be wrong. They was supposed to have a match. They ran in the ring, got the fight. Scarlet attacked Bobby. Then uh, B five came, kicked her. That was the closest we got to a match with them. Yeah, I like, miss. Can we have a match? Yeah, I would like that. I mean, Loki, this would be the time to do it at Elimination Chamber, but maybe this week on SmackDown or next week. Admittedly, I missed all of SmackDown last week, so I really don't know what happened. I've kind of dropped. They can't have a match because Bobby's in the Elimination Chambers. Well, yeah, good point. Great point, actually. Well, yeah, boom, there we go. (laughs) Do it on Friday. Well, even though technically this show is already recorded, because, you know, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, we're both in agreement judgment day and either street profits or AOP taking the titles off of them. But I'm honestly more than anything. I want them to split the titles. I don't think that the tag division right now is strong enough to have one champion fight everybody, especially because it's not like the judgment day is really ever on SmackDown anyway. So SmackDown tag teams are just kind of like left out to dry. That's a great point you just made. Uh, cause at first I was all for, you know, having one belt they give more tag teams you know the chance to be highlighted but you're right they are never on smackdown so go ahead and split them up um yeah yeah you're right just split them up maybe when they do that one of them will win it fingers crossed but all right let's go ahead and move on to another championship match it is australia's own Rhea ripley defending her women's world championship match against nia Jax. i beg and hope that this match is going to be good, but Rhea's not losing. So that's an easy one. This is an easy point. Yeah, yeah. Rhea's definitely going to win. Um, I feel like it's going to be a good match, hard hitting match. Um, I do like how they built up Nia Jax. She has been dominating Rhea Ripley. She really feels like the biggest challenge she didn't have. Agreed. Which I like. You know, they they booking um, Nia Jax correct. She should have been like this. You know, but she was hurting people and stuff. But it's like she didn't got better. Happy about that. Um, so I'm, I'm actually excited about this match. I think it's going to be good. It's not going to be a long match. It shouldn't be long. Uh, it should just be a good hard-hitting match and let Rhea, you know, Rhea find a way to win. Which, you know, they don't cheat in her matches, which I like. Uh, if I'm correct, like Dom, them don't be after. 
Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this time, but maybe Becky comes out there and like makes a distraction or something. Well, why but would Becky do that if she's in the uh, Elimination Chamber match? Mm, yeah, she is. Great point. Great point. Um, I, I just see real winning. I don't really know how, but I see real winning. Yeah, we in the same boat. Um, all right, next up, we got, speaking of Becky Lynch, we have the Women's Elimination Chamber match. We have Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair versus Liv Morgan versus Tiffany Stratton versus Naomi and versus a to-be-announced uh, six participant tonight on Raw. They're going to have a battle royal. And I ain't going to lie to you, I think Jade Cargill is going to find some way to get into it, and I think she's going to end up being the sixth participant. Yeah. But that's just me. But either way, I still don't think she wins. I got Becky winning. Um, I don't think Jade is going to be in it. Um, she's only been in one match, which is the Royal Rumble, which she lost. But it really doesn't really, you know, count everybody yeah, in the Royal Rumble. But one, um, and if it's the Elimination Chamber, she would have to have to get pinned or submit. And That's I don't think they point. want that to happen right now. That's good. Point. Um, so I see her at WrestleMania doing what I don't know. Because I know a lot of people have been saying they want to see her versus Bianca. I really think you should hold off on that. It's just my personal opinion. I mean, Let her do something else. I, um, I, I feel you to a certain extent, but it's kind of like, let's be honest. Bianca's obviously not going to face EO because that's going to be Bayley. Yeah, and so it's like, Rhea. <laughs> hey, look, ever. look. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have her winning. Like, she fought Rhea. I wouldn't have her beat Rhea, but... We, we, we want to see that banger. Embryo, we you, want to see it. You know me. Last year when Rhea won the Royal Rumble, I was so hyped. I was like, finally, we're getting Rhea and Bianca. And we didn't. And Whoa. Rhea versus Charlotte was an amazing match. But I'm still Agreed. salty. I still want that match bad. Agreed. I'm with you. I know sometimes you want to hold off. But sometimes it's like, you just got to do it. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to wait too long. And, you know, God forbid, I'm not calling that on this. But, you know, Injuries and stuff happening. Sometimes it's best when you have it, do it. And you know, we waited a whole year. Um, I wouldn't have Bianca winning anyway, so it's not like she's gonna leave SmackDown. She can still be on SmackDown with her husband, you know. So that's what I really want to see, you know. But uh, who, who, who did you pick win? Did you say who you was picking? I got Becky. Becky. Uh, I, that's the smart choice. I'm gonna go with Becky as well. Um, I did have her winning the Royal Rumble at first, but she lost that, um, which I'm happy. They did the right thing. Um, I see Becky um, winning it. I don't know who the sixth participant would be. I don't know, because like I told you, I don't think it would be Jake. She'll have to either get pinned or submitted, which I don't think submitted, but pinned. Um, I mean, low-key, though, if Jade is in it and Bianca pins her in it, that could set them up at Mania, just saying. Agreed, agreed. I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you with that one. I was thinking that, but at the same time, it's like, do you really want her to get pinned, technically, in her really first match? I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't like, have an issue with it. the Royal Rumble, it'd be the first two matches she lost. But I mean, like, okay, the, Roy- the Royal Rumble, like, losing in the Royal Rumble doesn't mean anything to me because there's only 30 participants and only one person yeah. can win. Like, so that doesn't really carry that much weight to me. Same for Elimination Chamber. Like, there's really only one winner coming out of that. And so, I don't, I'll say this, like, so let's say, for example, Bobby Lashley loses the men's Elimination Chamber. Are you going to look down on him because he lost that match? No, but Bobby, this is not Bobby's debut. But I mean, technically it's not Jade's debut either. 
agree, but we didn't see Bobby do stuff in WWE being a former champion and everything. We haven't seen Jay do anything in WWE. But I mean, even still, but I mean, even still, it's only, like I said, when, when it's multi people matches like this, I'm not really going to put it on somebody's head if they lose, especially because you could just easily just have her lose dirty. Like have somebody cheat to pin her. Boom. There you go. Like, I don't think, I don't think. And like I said, if WWE does want to try to set up her versus Bianca, this is the easiest way to do it. Like you give her a legitimate gripe. She's like, you please make Bianca heal. Or you could have re, I mean, let's say Bianca pins Jade. Jade's like, girl, you ain't even all that. You say you the EST, but to me, you just basic. Set that up, boom shakalaka, WrestleMania, there you go. Like, I, I'm i not putting it on her because I'm, like, for the same thing. Like, I understand you what you're saying because, like, she really hasn't had any matches. But, like, for big, for multi-people matches like this, only one person is going to come out on top out of six. So I'm not going to look down on her for losing. Now, she, like, was the first person eliminated. Okay, sure. But if they have her, like, go to the limit and be, like, one of – for the sake of conversation, let's say it finishes with Becky and Bianca. Bianca pins Jade, and Jade is eliminated and leaves those two. I can live with that. But if, but if it's the only way I think it'd be bad is if, like, she has a bad show and she's in the ring for, like, five minutes and then she's gone. Other than that, I don't think it's that bad. Mm, I don't know. I guess I just look at it. Uh, how they been doing their last couple of big stars? Cody came back. That's different, lose. though. Uh, is it? It's Kobe, very different. CM Punk, CM Punk, even though he didn't get a chance to That's do a lot. That's very different. I highly doubt, I highly doubt, after CM Punk lost in the Royal Rumble, his very next match, he would have lost. But let's say he um, didn't have another real match until WrestleMania against Seth, and he lost that. But I think he would have had a different, like, we being realistic, he probably would have been in the Elimination Chamber. But, but even like, still, I don't think... Like, Cody is an entirely different situation. Cody made himself into being, one, he was in WWE before. He made himself into a megastar when he left. He comes is back. Is not a megastar? Compared to Cody? Compared to Cody? Compared to Cody? Nah, you don't even do Jay like that. Compared to Cody? Was Jay, like, not the biggest one of uh, D? Uh, not, oh, Lord. No. Like, what, WWE uh, women's superstar in AEW? Was she not? No. Who was the biggest one in AEW? I'd probably say Britt Baker. Uh, I have to disagree with that. Now you say more talented. <laughs> I think no, I would say Britt. Britt's, Britt's been there longer. Like nah, like Jade is cool, but in terms of, like being the most popular woman, I'll say it like this: If Jade was the most popular woman on that brand, she wouldn't have went nowhere. They would have made a priority to keep her. I think she wanted to come to WWE. I don't think it was nothing they could have did. But I mean, even still, I don't think she was the most popular woman on that brand, though. Actually, I'm, I'm confident to say she's not, especially because towards like the latter ends, like I don't even watch AEW, but like more people were talking about Tony Storm and her new gimmick and what she be, she's been doing and Soraya and Ruby Soho. Like, nah. Jade, don't get me wrong, Jade is dope and Jade is great, but to compare her to Cody or even CM Punk is doing her a major disservice. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say she's like popular, like on a level, but she's still pretty big. And I just not feel really. like they shouldn't put her. If they want to do her and Bianca, she doesn't. She doesn't have to get pinned by Bianca, and and she doesn't have to be in there. That could easily just happen. But I'm my my she point at the Bianca. my point at the end of this is I don't think Jade losing this match hurts her. I got you. I, I don't think she's in it anyway, though. So I mean, look, I it don't matter if she's in it or not because neither of us think she's gonna win. <laughs> if we being honest exactly you're right but yeah 
Jade, no offense, and for Jade fans, don't get twisted. I think she's talented. I think she's popular, but like, I don't think she was the most popular woman on that brand. Don't let for a while she was. I put it that way. Yeah, maybe definitely for a while she definitely was. Maybe, but I mean, not maybe. That's a definite. How so? Like when she was having her undefeated streak and her reign, she was the most popular. Not the whole time. In parts I, of it, I, sure. Not the whole time, okay, but at some point she was. For, at some point, but I, you know I'll say not the whole time. At too, some point, time. at the some point, sure. But my point is, she didn't leave the. I mean, AEW is the most popular woman on that brand. That's what I'm saying. I guess. Uh, next up, though, moving on to popularity. There's quite a few popular men <laughs> participating in the men's elimination chamber match. We have Drew McIntyre. Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, L.A. Knight, Kevin Owens, and Logan Paul. This is tough. Ooh, very tough. But for the sake of storylines, I'm going Drew. I think Drew wins, <laughs> and he finally gets his moment because it's time. It, it, it's time. And at WrestleMania, I don't care what he's doing at WrestleMania. He has to come out to Broken Dreams. Right. Um. So this is interesting. Um. It can go any type of way. Uh, like you said, very tough. Because I can see Randy winning it and maybe trying to get his, you know, his, uh, will be his 15th championship, 16th, 15th title reign. But I'm with you and I'm going to go with Drew for story reasons. It should, I feel like it should be Drew. Drew has been going, doing an amazing job as a heel. Um, he deserves one thing. He deserves another, right? He deserves to win in front of a crowd. He's never had a chance to do that since the COVID and COVID and all that. So I feel like it's one he deserves it. Um, Storyline purposes, he deserves it to win. Um, and he deserves to take the championship off of Seth. Um, I just feel like he's earned this, and uh, he's probably the best thing. Even like I said, even storyline, you take away earnings. Storyline story purposes, I feel like it should be him. It fits. And hopefully he has a long title right because they even build up a story with him and CM Punk. And it's just like, it's the best way to go. I'm not saying he's going to hold it that long, but if he was to hold the championship long, it, the story is right in itself. You know what I mean? So it's like, I choose Drew 100%. Yeah, and, like, looking at the field, a lot of the other people don't really make sense. Like, Some Logan Paul, agree. no. Like, Loki. now, if we talking about setting up matches, I could see L.A. Knight and Logan Paul getting into and that sets up a United States Championship match at WrestleMania. Boom. Yes. Kevin Owens. I love me some Kevin Owens, but him versus Seth right now, it doesn't make the most sense unless one of them is going to go heel, and I don't see Seth doing that, so it would be Kevin, which I'm not mad at, but you just traded him to SmackDown, so it's like... Agreed. Um, Bobby Lashley, another one that I would like, but a lot of the time, he's... If you move one, you have to move everybody to Raw. It's it's nice time. Yeah, and it, you it know, just... I'm the biggest Bobby fan. It just wouldn't make sense. It's yeah. nice time. I don't. I just don't know if he'll ever get another big, huge WWE Championship title reign. I hope he does, but like right now, it's it's not the time. You know, I'm the biggest Bobby fan. Yeah, and then with Randy, it's kind of like if you want to get him to what for fifteen or sixteen. World Championship reign. Maybe okay. 15. I think he was two away, so maybe it would be 15. I think so, too. Um, So, I think 15, which, I mean, is cool, but it's like, y'all could have just kept him on Raw in the first place. 
You know, Agreed. like so it's like because I mean he his main intention coming back was he wanted revenge against the bloodline and technically he doesn't have to have a championship match with Roman to get his leg back to get his revenge we can still well, get that mess up top down the line so it's like will he fight solo at Wrestlemania he already beat solo what a guy wrestle solo for agree you know I just don't know when he'll ever get that revenge you know it's just not I mean I could see it happening like SummerSlam or something like low key to me Let's say Roman loses at WrestleMania, which obviously y'all know I don't want, but obviously could happen. Let's say he loses and then he goes, we talked about this. I don't remember if it was on air or not, but he goes MIA for a while. Okay. While he's gone, his first few back, if it's not going to be Cody, which Cody obviously makes the most sense, it could be Randy. Cause Randy could be like, Hey, I ain't forget about you. You may not be champion. You may not be tribal chief no more, but you and your boys, you and the bloodline knocked me out of action for almost a year. I didn't forget that. Yeah. So I think that would be how I would book it. So like again, Randy, I just don't want to see Randy lose a championship match because he wouldn't win. Yeah, yeah. Well, if 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 like let's say somehow at the end of the day he he wins, I would actually have Randy winning only because I feel like you're not just giving anything to Randy. He's earned everything. I can just see them being like you know giving Randy that fifteen. One just to have a good moment at WrestleMania. But with that being said, if that happened and he won at WrestleMania, I would then believe, hold on, they're giving us a good moment. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Roman going to win again. <laughs> I'd be very worried. And I mean, that'd be cool. Look, I love me some Randy Orton, but it's like, no, I'm, I'm still do you true. realistically see Randy Orton having a lengthy title reign after winning the championship? Absolutely not. You remember last time he won the title, he lost it the next week. To Drew. He beat Drew in Hell in a Cell. Yeah, it was either a week or two. He had it for like a week or two. I think two it was like a couple Survivor weeks. Because I think he lost it at Survivor Series. Yeah. yeah. And it's like... Yeah, but he doesn't need a long one. He doesn't Randy, need Randy, one, but it's Randy like... he's not going to benefit from a long title reign. Randy not, has done everything. Yeah, sure. But my point is, like, I love me some Randy. I wouldn't be mad at him winning. But it's kind of like, why take it off? Uh, uh, in the case of, like, between him and Drew... Yeah. Drew, would I rather see Randy get a moment? And still, because even still, he may be 15, but it's not like he's tying the record. He's still behind. Yeah. Now, if he, we were like, this was for his fifth, 16th reign, I would agree with you. But for 15th, you still behind. You still got to lose it and win it back. So it's like, Agreed. between that and Drew, just give me Drew. No, you're right. Uh, I, I still choose Drew. Now, the question would be, is Damian Priest going to cash in after that? I don't know, but I don't know when Damien gonna cash in to be honest. Apparently, he has till July first, so he has time. I don't know. I, I, at this point, I don't know if he would even be successful. Oh, I don't think he'd be successful, regardless of when he does it. I hate that for him because he deserves it, but yeah. it's just a bad time. It's too many better storylines going on. I like Damien Priest, but it comes down to: Do I think he will be a good world champion? I just want him to have it. Like maybe he wins. He doesn't have to hold it long. It's the fact that he did it, you know. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather just not waste our time, you know. <laughs> like, and again, I keep saying it, but like that's why it's like, that's how I would have the Judgment Day. If you want to split them up, or if you want to cause strife between him and Finn Balor, have Finn cost him, because then in that way, it doesn't look like Damian Priest just lost the briefcase outright. 
And then it gives him something to do. It gives him a legitimate grievance against Finn because it's like, yo, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? And then it starts to, like, you're jail. Finn, like, you've never been better than me. And all of a sudden you think you deserve to be world champion, blase, blase, blah. If I can't be Seth, what the hell makes you think you can be Seth? All that good stuff. I'm telling you, Paul, Trips, give me a call. I, I got you. I just want to know what my boy uh, Prison Dumb doing. That's what I want to know what he's doing at WrestleMania. I don't That's care all. what he does. As long as he comes out, like, with the same interest as last year, that is all She's I have. Come out with the same interest. That was the best thing ever. That was so funny. My boy, they, they didn't have my boy too quiet. He ain't been doing much. It's okay. He he on probation. He he's trying not to get locked up. Once his once his parole in, he good. He gonna he gonna start acting a fool. Um, but all right, tiebreaker. So we kind of talked about like who might be the sixth participant in the women's rumble. I mean, women's elimination chamber. But that's not. That's not what this is about. That's not what the tiebreaker is going to be. It's going to be hard because, you know, it's more fun when it's hard. So this pay-per-view's tiebreaker is who are the first two competitors to start each chamber match? For those oh, of you, what the crap. I know. For those of you who do not know or for those of you who need a quick brush up, so the chamber comes with four pods, and then the last two entrants in the match start in the ring, and then after a few minutes, each pod, a randomly selected, quote-unquote, will be opened up and another competitor enters the match. So what we're going to do is try to guess the two participants who start the match, and we get a half point for each one we get right. So I'll start off. For the women's match, I got Naomi and Bianca Belair. Okay. Do you need me to run through the participants again? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, I didn't know you was waiting on me. No, yeah. um, no I got lost. Um, side note. I'm talking to you, and on my TV, I just got a new and old X-Factor shows on, and Miz was on there, and I got lost. <laughs> um, didn't know he was on X-Factor. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Bianca and Becky Lynch. Okay, that's fair. You know, old throwback to a classic. Yeah, you know, that's exactly why I did it. Old throwback to a classic. They had their little rival. She took the belt from Bianca. Bianca took the belt off of her. Let's, let's see who's better now. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I said this, but it's a half point for each wrestler you get right, by the way. You said it. Okay, cool. Just making sure my brain is obviously not working. All right, and then for the men's elimination chamber, do you want to go first or you want me to go? Well, you go first. Ladies first. All right, I'm going to say Drew and L.A. Knight. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna go back to another class. Well, I ain't gonna say I ain't gonna say it's a classic. They had a good few. I'm gonna do Drew and Bobby. Okay, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, I ain't mad at it. Um, all right. So that's that's the show, or at least, well, yes, technically this is being, like I said, it's being recorded before the main show. So technically, yes, that is the show. Thank you all so much for. Li- Wait, before I don't want you cussing me out. Uh, is there an ask rave question? <laughs> you know what? It will be an ask rave question. It's going to actually benefit you because you have a chance to get an extra point. Oh, why? Wait, why am I getting an extra point? Because if you get it right, you'll get an extra point. Okay. All right. Who do you think will be eliminated first in the men's elimination chamber? Logan Paul. Ooh, really low. I think that everybody's gonna be annoyed by him and gang up on him, and <laughs> so they're gonna be like, "You can get the fuck up out of here." I almost That's said, "I almost said Logan like to start the match," but 
I'm gonna tell you why I didn't because I think that like him when his pod opens up and everybody's gonna be looking at him and he's gonna be like we see it all the time like with the heels trying to run away or like climb up the chamber to not be like you know get attacked I think that's gonna be him okay okay yeah, that was a smart choice really thank you thank you I try to have him sometimes and that was question raven for the day it was okay, a simple one and I'm keeping mine I get a point I'm gonna remember this yeah, but if you get it wrong, you also lose a point. I didn't say that. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's that's not real. <laughs> nah, nah, brother. I was gonna ask you the women's. I was like, which one would be harder? Because I did not think of Logan Paul um, getting jumped. That was very smart. Thank you. You know, I, 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 I have my moments. I, I watch a little bit of wrestling. You, do, you have your moments. I will. I will. You do. You do have your moments. Thank you. I'll. I'll for you, that's considered a compliment. All right. <laughs> Again, thank y'all so much for listening. As always, be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes are a lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Embryo, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Um, just everybody be safe. Appreciate y'all for listening. Until next time. Yeah, and um I can't wait till you and your buddy start your podcast so you know we can shamelessly plug that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we get that started. Yeah, we gotta we gonna be talking about everything on there. So I gotta I have to like be like you, plan it all out. You know, have to actually you know put some work in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we're all gonna get canceled. It's gonna be fun. You know what? Probably first episode, especially yeah, yeah, probably first episode. But you know, if you if you get canceled, it means you had something to begin with, and I guess that's a compliment. That's that's a great <laughs> point. That is a really really good point. <laughs> So in other words, if you haven't gotten canceled for something that you said, it's because people don't care enough about you to care what exactly. comes out your mouth. Exactly. Wow. Oh, side note, they're gonna they're probably in a development for a female project X. We're gonna have to go see it. Female Project X party? Yeah, you know the old movie Project X? Yeah, like are you saying they're about a female a, project X? Party? Yeah, there's gonna be a sequel, a female led Project X sequel. Oh, I bet. Say what? Yeah, if it's not rated R, I'm not going to see it. No. Most movies depend on the genre. Like, if it's not rated R, it's not worth your time. It's really not, because, like, Project X, like, come on now. Then I'm grown now, so, like, you know. Are you? Sneak in that movie to watch it. Are you? And we got to go see the new Deadpool as well. Are you grown, though? We got to go see the new Deadpool as well. Okay, you haven't answered my question. I told me everything I need to know. We have to go see the new... Because <laughs> why, why are you trying me right now, like? Do you like Deadpool? You don't like Deadpool. I'm not really that much of like a superhero fan. I Is will. Really this considered a superhero though. Like, I don't know. I guess antihero. I don't know. I've never seen any of the movies. But what I will see, I think it's October. Is the new Joker? Yeah, I'm in there. I love the first. I, I like the first one. I don't think they should have made a second one. I will go see it. Don't get me wrong. I'm gonna go see it. But some movies I feel like should just be one offs, and I hope they didn't do too much with putting out a second one. I feel that. I'm very interested to see how it looks. I mean, I love the first one. I know it's not a superhero movie, so don't come for me, but yeah. it is by far my favorite, like, superhero adjacent film ever. Like, I love that movie. It also tackles a lot of, like, topics that I find very fascinating. Joaquin Phoenix did the damn thing. Thanks. Um, and the new one's gonna have Lady Gaga in it, and I think it's supposed to be a musical. I don't know if that's a rumor or not, but Lady Gaga's in it, and I love me some Lady Gaga. So, and, and that's why I'm scared of it because I did hear it's supposed to be like a musical, and I'm like, do I want to 
I don't want to go see no musical, but one thing I will say, I was nervous when they came out with the first one, and they did a great job. Like you said, they tackled some stuff that uh, I, I really liked. They did it. They did it as good as you could do it, and um, I am interested to see what they do next. I just really hope it's good because I don't want to go see it and be like, yeah, they should just left me with just one. You know what I mean? No, I feel I'm that. I hate to have, but I guess we do that with every movie. Every movie that has a sequel has a chance to be like that, so. 100%. And then sometimes we look up and the sequel's better than the original, so, you know. Agreed. You know, just like John Wick. Yeah, y'all, just so in case y'all didn't know, I made her watch John Wick and she liked it. Yeah, I watched, what, three of them and got two milkshakes? Four? You know, you didn't watch the four. No, I watched, yeah, I watched three of them and I got two milkshakes even though he tried you to hold me out of my milkshake. Now. Okay, well, hey, look, if I can get a milkshake out of it, I will watch it. Yeah, you did get milkshakes. Because I had a test for those of you who you did. I had yeah, a she test. had a test that actually passed it. She knew answers that I didn't know. I was because I forgot the answer to his wife's name. I was like, what's the wife's name? And you knew it. I was like, what the crap? Yeah, I knew it then. I don't know it now, my brother. I have not touched the John Wick movie since then. <laughs> <test. laughs> the fact you did all that over a milkshake. You sure actually it was multiple. Every test that I passed, I got a milkshake. So how many milkshakes did you get? You got me vanilla milkshakes. And I remember, again, I had to fight for one of them because you was like, I'm going to give you another milkshake. I'm like, no, you're going to get me my milkshake. And we went to McDonald's by your apartment, and guess who got that milkshake? Moi. I don't remember what the occasion was. Was that when we were having our family night and I was cooking? Was that that? Probably day? so. Probably so. Okay. Well, next time well, I come to Memphis. Miz was really on X Factor. I wonder if it was just before or after he started in WWE. This is wild. Hey, Miz going to get his TV time regardless. I'm, I ain't mad at him. You know, this is like the old Miz with the little mohawk. With the spike tips? Yes. Like I said, we was having this conversation, and we are going to let y'all go. I don't know if you stopped yet. But, like, I turned my head as we were talking wrestling. I'm like, is that the Miz? <laughs> I bet it was. With his little stupid fedoras, and then he yeah, had the vest like, over, like, a long sleeve shirt. Oh, my gosh. Chick Magnet Miz was, like, so cringy. I don't know how he got with Maurice. I don't know what she saw in him. But, he used to wear the little shorts. Yes. Oh my gosh, so cringy. Miz and Morrison. A long way. Man, what a, a time. I, lo- I definitely look, like like the Miz now. You know, I love all the work he just put in. Like what, twenty years? Has it been a WWE for like twenty years? Almost. Almost. Yeah, it's close. You know, we like they, they brother came a long way. Yeah. If you show start to to now, you'd be like, okay, he still got the same face, but and he. I I almost said something. Let me let me try to rephrase this. He has not aged. Like, we see a lot of wrestlers, like, over 20 years who look very different. He really hasn't aged that much. Hey, I mean, I agree with you, though. I don't take it forever to age. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he always looked old, though. He always, I'm just saying. He's like, always looked old. Look it's like Morgan Freeman. Like, how long Undertaker wrestled was, uh, I mean, one credit to his, his in-ring work and staying healthy for a lot of years because I definitely grew up watching Undertaker on SmackDown being the phenom like being amazing you know so like he definitely you can tell he aged now but like I, I agree with you like Miz Miz has not aged Randy still looks the same but has aged you can tell he's yeah. aged but John, John, John <laughs> it's just that big old ball spot in the middle of his head <laughs> that I will just never get over it's the fact that, like, in the movies, he has the full head of hair. Shout yeah, because they don't show him from behind. 
Shout out to John. Uh, Batista has definitely aged. Yeah. Uh, um, Shawn Michaels has aged like milk in the sun. Uh, Triple H has aged. Yeah, he but he's aged. Age. His aging hasn't been that bad. No, Look, no, no. Yeah, not I'm, bad at all. Not and bad at all. I'm going to give props to Triple H because he cut his hair before he didn't have a choice to. And so we're used to him with like the buzz cut and the low cut. Imagine if he tr- would have tried to been like Undertaker or Paul Heyman or yeah. even Shawn Michaels who just kept trying and then just had had no choice but to cut it. Because I ain't gonna lie to you, when I saw that the picture of Shawn Michaels cut his hair, this was what, six years ago? Yeah. I was like, who the hell is this? <laughs> I, my mind was blown. At least he embraced it. A lot of people want to embrace it. He embraced it. He's like, man, yeah. cut it off. Love he's me some. Hey, look, he gets it. <laughs> Love me some Shawn Michaels. I, the reason why his aging is just so baffling to me is because Shawn Michaels in the '90s. You know my yeah. feelings about Shawn Michaels in the '90s, and I'm just gonna leave that where that is. But hey, that's how I be. That's yeah. how I be. You see these older folks, you be like seeing a young picture, you like no, like really. Everybody wanted you back then, didn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's crazy. It but, is. It is crazy. <laughs> but again, oh, like Trish Stratus has aged great over the past twenty years. That's somebody. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio has literally not aged. He just got a little bit more gray in his beard. Yeah, Ray Mysterio. CM Punk has aged. Uh, yeah, his body is a reflection of that. Um, yeah, that sounded bad. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I just yeah. mean because he keeps getting hurt. Sorry, I didn't yeah, mean like and, it. And looks that bad. sucks. That hurts everybody. Uh, Drew McIntyre looks aged. good. Huh? Drew, Drew. I said Jeff and Matt. Yes. Well, you know, um, with Jeff. Horribly, but they, they age well, like you know, body. with Jeff, it's not just age. It's also, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Drew has aged pretty good. We but, went on a full side tangent. Okay. But, this uh, is this, like, like I know he's aged amazingly. Yeah. Bobby well, I mean, is almost fifty years old. Our, no, no. Our truth. In the conversation, you see a picture of him twenty years ago. He looks the same. Yeah, the only thing difference is hair is longer. <laughs> yeah, and then I know he's canceled right now, and he's in the he's in the doghouse. But Brock Lesnar still looks. Yeah, yeah, he's canceled, but Brock Lesnar they, they don't change how he's the age. Yeah, don't cancel us for mentioning Brock Lesnar. It's just we well, are talking about his character. We're just saying how he Brock looks. Lesnar. Like, he don't cancel us. I still can see Brock Lesnar matches on online right now. So, clearly, we are not the biggest problem here. And now, he ain't canceled enough. Don't worry. He, he's all right. Now, give it time. When, now, WWE, like, scrubs him of the network. And, I don't know. think they're going to do that. I don't think so, either. Well, I think that man is out there. Y'all, please. I mean, he, he, it was wrong for what happened. But that man does not care. That man is out there hunting somewhere. If that man doesn't work another match, he does not care. Yeah, he's good. I, I think he has the money and everything. He's fine. Yeah, he's just gonna be kicking it with his daughter, who looks just like him. Just like him. And that's okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. Anybody right. have my lesson showed up to my door? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> cut that I'm right. Look, I'm not in the camp, but if Brian Lesson showed up to my door, I'm like, I'll be like Mike Epps. Yeah, I'm smart enough to know fights that I'm gonna win and lose. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about Shannon yeah, Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Yeah, that that's not. <laughs> Nah, anyway. That ain't yeah. the that ain't the fight you want. So I'll beat the crap out of Kevin Hart. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I say, man, I'm a, I'm brave, but yeah. Yeah. Brock Lesnar showing to my door, I know it's a problem. That's all I'm gonna say. It's a problem. Look, I already told you what would happen if like Ronda Rousey ever squared up with me. I already. I'll be so scared for you. No, don't don't be. I'm just calling the cops, and I'm not fighting fair. I'm getting a weapon. 
the fuck? I don't care. You ain't got you ain't got to feel bad for me. Yeah, you. You don't gotta worry about me. Cause even if she semi touch me, I am getting so much money. Oh baby, I don't care if she pushes me. My back broke, my knee. I tore my ACL. My my finger came off. Like oh no, oh oh, crumbs and pennies. I'm taking all of it. Like I don't like you, sure. What you say, huh? No, I'm gonna keep like. And the thing is, because like to entice her, because at the end of the day, like I said, I'm gonna get money. Like to entice her. Oh my gosh! Don't put this on the record. (laughs) Don't put it on record, right? I'm just gonna leave it at. Hey, look, if Ronda Rousey ever ever wanted it. I'm not fighting fair. It'd be funny, like Ronda Rousey, like a big fan of this show. It would be hilarious. Man, she 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 wouldn't be. Cause I'm not a fan of hers at all. So it don't matter. It don't matter. Eh. I push out and watch movies where I don't think a person is a good actor, but I still watch the movies. That's different though. Like you're not condemning them every time they're mentioned. But she likes. And they're not hearing you do it. She, she, she's here for me. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. If you, she's such a fan, tell her to send us some money. <laughs> Shit, like you wanna, you wanna be a fan. You wanna support? No, no, like and subscribe, share us. Buy our non-existent ass merch since you wanna support. So bad. Okay, <laughs> now for real, we're leaving because that definitely was a tangent. Um, as Ethan definitely would say, was. go Grizz, uh, go Tigers, gang, gang, Penny. We gonna go get it Grizz. together, partner. Go um, go Kansas City Chiefs. Oh gosh, you're a week late. You're a week late. We already did this. We already did this. No, you're you're not even hurting my feelings. Just we did this a week ago. Nobody's playing no more, Embryo. You're late. I know, I know. I'm just messing with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go Grizz. Yeah, let's go next season. I just, I just, I just need it was bad for sports for me this year. Saints, Grizz, it was just bad. Let's go for next season, guys. Pulling for twenty twenty five. Crazy. I get it though. Hey, let's go for the NBA draft, Grizz. Let's get Bronny so Lebron. Man, yeah, bump the draft. Y'all just, y'all not gonna have no draft picks. Y'all finna spend that on somebody. Man, for real, because we got too much. We making space. I don't know on who though, but watch y'all, watch y'all mess around and get cat. Who are we going for? Oh, hell, <laughs> hell no! I'm sorry. I try to keep my language good. Hell no! No, I, I man, you've never seen me talk negative about the Grizzlies so bad. I'm like, we did all this for him. We have Jack Jackson. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. We, we, we did all this for the man that don't show up in the playoffs. This is what we did all this? No, no, no. That's no. so funny. No. It's funny because no. you, you think what you say is bad. I'm going to try to say that to Ethan. Obviously, this is recorded before I, we record with Ethan. And he's going to probably cuss me out. <laughs> Yeah, I said I was nice about it. Hell, you made me pause. I was I couldn't believe you said that. Like, that's just wrong. You want to see the Grizzlies break up so bad? So no, I love the Grizzlies. I love no, the Grizzlies. They're no, my second no, favorite just, team. But you just know if we did that. It's, it's no, it's nowhere up. It's all down from there at that point. Oh yeah, it's um, Lord, yeah. Lord, I, we better die, Lord, please. He gonna roll up please. to every every interview with a different voice. <laughs> Right, no. He gonna be excited when we win in the first. No, no. You don't want a generational no. player on your team. No, that man lies to himself. <laughs> I believe I changed the game. He did not change the game. He's 
talking like he the first big man to shoot a three. That was Dirk Nowinski. What are you talking about? I mean, but don't you know? Don't you know Cat is better than? Don't you know Cat is better than Dirk Nowinski? <laughs> Come on now. Top three player in the NBA at worst. Best big man Ooh. in the league. <laughs> I couldn't even say that was straight. Did you say he wasn't the best big man in the league? Like, the way? Uh, I, t- I, didn't, I didn't know. Uh, I tried I didn't know to. Joker. I didn't know when B retired. Well, technically, Joel and B ain't retired. playing, so. That brother coming back, he's still ahead. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I couldn't even say right that. Now, if, you t- if you told me in B. It's gonna be out to the next season, or I can get Carl Anthony Towns right now. I'm going to be. That's ins- you know, I I agree, but that's <laughs> that's like, insane. That oh, I, I I definitely agree. I oh, that's funny. I love I love just talking Man, to people. No, I love talking no. to Grizzlies fans about Cat. It is so funny. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't hate Cat as a. I don't hate him as a player, but I don't want him to be one of my players. That's real. I feel like that you about a lot right of players. There. Yeah, they all can whip me on the court, and they all get paid millions. So, so clearly they did something right in life. Yeah. But don't mean I want you on my team. That that's how I feel about like ninety five percent of the Lakers current roster. <laughs> but that's why I say that's why I say let us draft Bronny so LeBron go ahead and come over here to Memphis. Bron, LeBron a job, we gonna get a championship. Anyway, thank y'all so much for listening, and we will what? catch y'all next week. Man, you know we get a championship. We'll catch y'all next week. Man, how about to continue this? You know we gonna get a championship. Job, no, you're not. LeBron, Jared no, you're Jackson, not. In the okay, we're leaving. Goodbye.